Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. A lot to get into on a Tuesday, so let's not waste any time. Let's head out. To the Circus Sports Guest Hotline, joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Grant Malana. Grant, how are you? Doing well, doing well this week. Uh, it's post football, so it's kind of I weird. Know, right? It's kind of weird not having it around. It was a definitely weird. Uh, we, we we kind of leaned on a lot of the post game sound I, I I got from the uh, Super Bowl press conferences. Again, we were out there all week on Radio Row, and um, still trying to kind of kind of like unpack like everything that, that we saw in th- this game. So maybe let's like talk about the game some. Um, uh, we were texting with our good friend, Brandon. I'm sure you guys have uh, talked since then. I mean, I, I, I keep going back to um, how talented this team has been um, really like over the past th- three or four years. I mean, you go to um, last season where I think if Brock Purdy's healthy, perhaps they win that game. Uh, the season previous to that, listen, at the end of the day, kudos to the Rams, but you and I both know uh, just off of the track record, head-to-head, plus the drop pick, how that could have gone. Um, and then again, uh, you know, a couple years before that, they're in the Super Bowl. Uh, they've been at the doorstep, and there are some people who wonder if this might be it, you know, if, if, if this is not the ceiling for them. Let's first touch on San Francisco, because, again, I think the majority of people out there are, are still focused on uh, the greatness of Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and we'll touch on that. But as you look at San Francisco, and again, according to Las Vegas, they are still favored to get back to the Super Bowl in, in terms of the Chiefs being favored to win it and San Francisco being right behind them. That being said, when you um, don't want to compare them to the Buffalo Bills, uh, you know, who went to four straight Super Bowls and lost. But again, they have been arguably the best team in the conference the last four years. They've gone to the Super Bowl two of those years. They have not won. Your thoughts on that team? Yeah, that team, uh, you know, in, in one aspect as a Rams fan, it's, it's sweet to see. But if we're took, looking at it from a football perspective, I mean, what I mean, I don't know what you can ask for. Like usually, teams when they lose a rush, you go, okay, well, let's see where they can improve in the off season. Let's see what they can bring in to maybe shore up some areas. And in the Niners' instance, I don't know where you can improve because you're kind of good everywhere. And that's the the thing about this game is that 
the Niners controlled the game for three quarters, I'd say. And of course, you know, the Chiefs made their comeback in the second half, but I felt like for, for three quarters, the Niners kind of just, they were the team. They were the ones that were uh, getting the ball upfield. They were running all over the Chiefs defense. Um, things were kind of going their way, except for the muffed punt. And now for the Niners, after this game, you look back and you lose it in the final seconds of overtime. That's honestly probably the most devastating way to lose a Super Bowl. And they've lost Super Bowls in the past. Um, in 2012, they lost. Uh, in 2020, they lost. And those were, you know, those were double digit deficits. This one is just unbelievable. I mean, yeah. first, the, the decision to take the ball first, which is the controversy right now, um, to have your players not know the rules. Um, is absolutely unbelievable. Um, and Andy Reid and all of his players talked about how they had meetings up until uh, the Super Bowl about that certain thing. And for the Niners to just not have that available or not, not even know what's going on, that's a direct reflection of the coaching. I mean, as, as a coaching staff, you got to let your players know that. And for the biggest game of your career, I guess you could say, in a lot of these guys' aspects, you have to know that kind of thing. And it's not like they didn't tell you before the overtime started, too. Um, but if I'm looking at this Niners team, yes, they're going to be good next year. Yes, they're going to have a great regular season record. But now we kind of got to look at them in a certain way where it's like, hey, it's kind of like the Cowboys, where, sure, you can do whatever you want in the regular season. You can go ahead and win as many games as you want. But we're going to judge you based off how you perform in the postseason. And for the 49ers, they've gotten farther than the Cowboys have, but they just have not gotten it done when it matters and I, I can't really put a finger on it because for the for the most part in this game Arash I just felt like the Niners had control over it Brock Purdy looked really good he kind of matched Mahomes for three quarters CMC like I said was running all over them uh, I think the main thing was Kittle and Debo Samuel were just taken completely out of the game and I know Debo Samuel left for a little bit uh, with a hamstring injury and, and Kittle left with a, a shoulder injury but uh, that defense especially losing Greenlaw that was a huge blow to them in the second half I think after after he got hurt, you kind of saw Mahomes take advantage of the middle of the field and kind of use slants with Rice and and Kelsey. Look, this is why I, I was so hesitant to bet on the Niners in this game is because I just knew that the Chiefs, if they got into a scenario where it was a one-score game or even a two-score game and they had a chance to come back, I would always bet on Patrick Mahomes. And lo and behold, they did. So... Man, for the Niners fans, it must be just so devastating. Um, and, and look, I, I know how that feels. I've felt that for many sports and many of my favorite teams. I know how this feels. And I don't like the comparison to the Bills because the Bills lost four in a row. The yeah. Niners haven't really done that. Yeah. Um, I know they've lost three in the last decade. But um, this team, look, they have a st- they still have a great window. They have a lot of their players signed. Ayuk is not a free agent until next year. Brock Purdy's not, is still under contract. They have everyone signed basically they can still add if they want to get offensive line help or secondary help so man what a devastating loss but hey awesome super bowl right yeah. overtime it's the first postseason uh game with those new overtime rules this is why probably everyone was confused so uh devastating loss for the niners obviously awesome win for the chiefs but great super bowl in in totality i think las vegas put on a great show we should have the, the super bowl in las vegas a little bit more i think <laughs> i totally agree and again obviously i'm biased in the sense that that i live in vegas half the time the the, the show that we do is obviously uh broadcasted in vegas 
But you know what, what made it such a great Super Bowl town, and you know this about Las Vegas, Grant, is that, you know, it is centrally located in the sense that uh, you fly into Vegas, you take your uh, Uber, Lyft, or whatnot uh, to your hotel. Let's just say you're at the Luxor, which was the media hotel. I mean, you really never had to, if you planned it right, to be honest, like, had to get a Lyft or, like, an Uber. Like, you could right. have taken the monorail. You could have, you know, walked, depending on where you're going. It is really an amazing Super Bowl city in that respect. It's one of the reasons why New Orleans, which will be the host of the Super Bowl next year, is great. Um, a lot of towns, and again, I'm including Los Angeles, which I love, and I'm glad that they're back in mm-hmm. the rotation, but like, you fly into Los Angeles, maybe you're staying in downtown, which is where the convention center is, uh, then you go to SoFi, which is in Inglewood, and then you want to go to the South Bay to go somewhere that like it's very spread out the majority of these towns are spread out vegas is big because everything during the week uh except for lake las vegas and again that that's that just affects the media i mean the media and again the media uh took a bus and they went out there but i get why the teams can't be staying on the strip you can't have uh, the two participating teams stay at a hotel casino right in the heart of the strip and from everyone that i've Heard who went out to Lake Las Vegas, they had a great time. So um, they're probably going to get it again in six years. So what it is is going to be New Orleans, mm-hmm. Santa Clara, which is you know home of the San Francisco 49ers. Then it'll be back in Los Angeles. Again, quick turnaround for Los Angeles, but I'm happy about that. Then it is up for grabs. I've heard that they want to get the game back to Miami. And they want to include Nashville, Tennessee, which is about to open mm. up a new stadium. That'll be a fun uh, town. And then, um, and then maybe it'll come back in 2030. Wanted to ask you, uh, Grant, about the Chiefs. Again, we knew this would happen. Once the Chiefs won, we knew that there would be talk about Patrick Mahomes being in that conversation. And, and in fact, some people have just said, forget the conversation. He is the greatest. And I, and I, don't get that as much. And yeah. again, maybe they are just talking about just the, what they've seen physically. But again, we just saw a guy retire uh, a couple of years ago, maybe like two years ago, in Tom Brady who won seven. Not only did he win seven, and I know it was a pandemic season, blew out uh, the Chiefs head to head when it was Tom Brady in Tampa Bay going up against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Um, your thoughts on what we've seen right now? Again, so the Chiefs have won three Super Bowls in five years. Much like San Francisco, if they haven't gone there, they, they've like been knocking at the door. They've been in the conference championship game. Um, your thoughts on the Chiefs' run and also the, the uh, talk about Patrick Mahomes right now? Uh, yeah, obviously the Chiefs are a generational franchise, and uh, I guess you could call them the new dynasty. I always like right now like to compare them to the Patriots. I think they're just the new version of the Patriots. And I remember when I was a kid growing up, when the, the early early two thousands, when they beat the Rams, and then the Patriots went on to beat the Panthers and the Eagles, and they just went on this amazing run. And this is exactly how it felt, right? This is you had this generational quarterback with a a gr- pretty good defense and an excellent head coach with some weapons around him and they would just when the time got down to it Tom Brady knew what to do and when the time gets down to it Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes just know what to do and uh, you know for a team that 
they you know they didn't even start Patrick Mahomes' yeah. first year. They had Alex Smith starting. Um, I, I think I, I love this tweet, and I'm not I don't know who sent it out, but I saw it very quickly. Is that Mahomes has had the greatest start to a career, but the greatest overall career is still Tom Brady. Yeah. I mean, we can't bypass that. I mean, Tom Brady has seven championships, and he played until he was 44 years old. I mean, uh, this is a guy that, you know, if Mahomes is, wants to get to that level, I think he still needs a few more titles. And obviously, look, Mahomes is 28, so by the time he's 38 or 40, uh, you know, God forbid he's still playing, maybe he could get to that. Uh, shoot, maybe he could get to that in the next three years, Arash. I, right. I always count out the Chiefs, and I counted them out in the regular season, and here they are winning another title back-to-back um, for the first time since the Patriots did it, by the way. So um, the Chiefs, obviously, they have room to add too. Like I'm assuming they're going to get free agents as well, and that's crazy because they already have such a great team. And you yeah. you look at the around the roster and you're like, how do they win with some of these guys? And they just do yeah. find a way to win. And for Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, a lot of the game, I was thinking like, when is he going to break out? When is he finally going to turn it on? When is he going to do it? And I guess it's just when he gets to the third quarter, or the fourth quarter, when he wants yeah. to turn it on. And that's what the greats do and this is something I, that has been circulating around the media right now and a lot of people are talking about is that that was the difference in the game it was Purdy against Mahomes and Purdy didn't show up when it mattered I'm not going to go that far because I really got to give Brock Purdy a lot of credit he was pretty good in this game he did not have any turnovers uh, he played a pretty clean game obviously there was some overthrows uh, with pressure on him there was a third and four that he missed with the pressure um and, and, you know, maybe that's the difference between their, them winning a Super Bowl and not. Because some of those plays, if you had converted them, the Chiefs probably would, would have lost and the Niners would have been champions. So Mahomes found a way and Brock Purdy didn't. And that's what the greats did. And maybe Brock Purdy learns from this and he could – look, Brock Purdy has an excellent career ahead of him. But yeah. for the Chiefs, look, this, they're in the prime right now. And Mahomes showed why he's in his prime. He's the best player in the world right now in terms of football. And – are we really surprised? I am really not now that I've seen it. I don't know why I'm, I, here's something. I'm never going to doubt the Chiefs ever again. Yeah. I, I said this before the Super Bowl when we were talking about is that I compare them to the Warriors. The Warriors have won five in a row and the Chiefs have just won the Super Bowl again. And it looks like they're both playing well at the right time. So, uh, yeah, Andy Reid, again, he's coming back for another year. Kelsey, it looks a little bit older, but again, I said that in the middle of the season. Then he had one of his best posts. Seasons. He had some really good performances. So, oh man, they, they're probably the new Patriots type dynasty. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have another one on our hands. Do you think that they're more well liked again? Maybe, listen, you can't compare. Like, Mandy uh, Reid is such a lovable guy, and, I, and I've enjoyed, you know, like over the past couple of Super Bowls, talking to him about growing up in Los Angeles. He loves Tommy's. Uh, uh, um, Tommy's hamburgers. Uh, so again, I mean, he's a more likable guy. Again, a, a big guy. And you got um, Patrick Mahomes is still pretty likable. I mean, they seem like a more likable dynasty than the Patriots. And again, like the Patriots had their like off the field problems too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I yeah. think I think with the the Chiefs, I think now that you add Taylor Swift into it, yeah, right. it kind of gets more of a demographic. Like when the Patriots were back in the day, I mean, they were hard hitters. Uh, obviously, they had the Spygate scandal, so a lot of people hated them for that too. Yeah. Um, 
and you had Tom Brady, who was kind of this cocky guy who, you know, he, he had kind of a certain swag to him, you know. Patrick Mahomes is really, he doesn't have any, he doesn't really do anything else but his State Farm commercials. I mean, he's pretty quiet in the media. He doesn't really talk on social media a lot. Uh, he kind of just shows it on the field. Obviously, he's a great character in the NFL, but you have a bunch of guys that, and look, you have some rookies that stepped up too, like Jerry Sneed, and you have McDuffie. Um, they have Jones as a defensive lineman. They have a lot of likable guys. Um, and I think that's the difference between them and the Patriots, where the Patriots were kind of like the, the evil empire, right? Yeah. Everyone wanted to beat them. The Chiefs, you know, it's like they kind of just hang in the weeds and then they strike. So it's kind of like you just forget about them. And it's like, oh, hey, the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl again. How about that? It's just, I don't know, it's it's kind of two different ways the way they operate. So you can't really compare the two that way. But, um, yeah, in terms of winning, <laughs> they're pretty similar, though. It's so amazing. You know, when you look back to how that Patriots dynasty started, I mean, they were historical dogs against the St. Louis Rams. I mean, the yeah. greatest show on turf, and no one gave them much of a chance. Again, Tom Brady coming back. Um, you know, he was a backup quarterback. Drew Bledsoe was the starter. And then, like, Drew Bledsoe, I mean, Tom Brady gets hurt in the conference championship game. Drew Bledsoe helps them win. And then there's this, you know, slight quarterback controversy. And then Tom Brady um, goes on to have this historic run, as do the Patriots. Um as we look at next season, and we kind of just hinted at it now, I mean, it, it does seem like uh, these two teams, and again, it's so hard to return. It is so hard to, um, you know, uh, you know, just get back to that point. Again, Grant, you saw that with the Rams, you know, following mm-hmm. that Super Bowl win. I mean, the, 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 the rallying cry was, you know, run it back. And they, they really did. I mean, they, they, they brought back as many guys as they could. Um, and, and again, they, they, they had one of their worst seasons. How do you see this uh, going for these two teams? Again, I mean, you could say on paper, you know, the Chiefs are going to bring back their crew and San Francisco is going to do the same. It's hard to repeat. It's hard to get back to this point. Yeah, and for the Chiefs, I think it's a little bit of a, a tougher road just because if we look at the, the AFC landscape, right? I mean, I think there's just a little bit more talent there that you have to go through. Um, let's not forget Joe Burrow is one of the ones that knocked Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs out and they yeah. weren't even in the playoffs this year. Uh, they'll be back with a vengeance. Um, you'll have the new look Chargers with John Harbaugh. You know, they'll probably be a, a formidable candidate to knock them off. Um, you have some teams in there. The Dolphins could Restack their defense. Um, you have the teams in the AFC North, like the Ravens. The Browns are still good. The Steelers may improve. If I go around each division in the AFC, it's going to be pretty tough to, to do so. And look, we said that about this year, too, and the Chiefs did it again. In the NFC, it, it's a little bit easier of a route for the Niners, and I'm, nothing's easy in this league. You have injuries, like you said about the Rams. They thought it was going to be a cakewalk back to the Super Bowl. Hey, we're running it back. It's all good. No, they got hurt. Everyone got hurt at the wrong time, uh, and they ended up blowing everything up. So you never know. With the Niners, you probably have the Eagles and the Cowboys in the NFC East, um, the Rams and the Seahawks. Uh, but, you know, even those, you can really say that the Niners have the, the benefit of the doubt against any of those teams. Um, so I think for the Niners, it's going to be a little bit difficult. And uh, I'm not going to put a window on them, but they do have some some things to decide here, you know, with Kittle and, you know, Kittle's getting up there in age and, uh, you know, they have to pay Ayuk, Purdy. And I know that they've kind of manipulated things to get, their way usually in, in contracts, but 
you know, it may not be easy for them to, to repeat. Like, you know, like Dan Campbell said with the Lions, we don't know if we'll ever get back here. You know, we yeah. just don't know. There's so many unknowns throughout a season. Like they've mentioned, look, we started in July and it's February and we just lost. So all that kind of just goes to bed. Um, but for the Chiefs, I think they have an, a, a tougher route. For the Niners, I think it's, I still have them as my favorite to, to get back to the Super Bowl right now. Obviously a lot can change, but, yeah. um, I think that they're the best team still in the NFC right now. Two long shot odds that are, you know, obviously I'm bringing this up because it's uh, local. Uh, plus 2,500 for the uh, Chargers, plus 3,000 for the Rams. The Chargers is interesting just because if you look at the talent that they have, but they have Jim Harbaugh. And that's significant yep. just because when you look at what Jim Harbaugh has usually done historically, as soon as he gets to a program, I mean, San Francisco was one of the dormants of the league. They they had not done anything for the previous like eight or nine years. Jim Harbaugh gets there thirteen and three. They get to the conference championship game. They don't win, but if I could tell you that you'd have a uh, you know plus twenty five hundred. Oh, uh, really quick. Well, last thing before we um had to break. Uh, is there a like of those teams? I mean, I know you like the Rams, but I mean plus three thousand for the Rams. That that's not bad. Yeah, listen, I don't know why the Rams and the Chargers continue to be doubted. The Rams have a lot of cap space. They have draft picks. They have guys that emerged. And for the Chargers, they have exactly what they needed, a new coach, a new coaching staff, and a new identity. So I may take some of those odds, Arash. That sounds pretty good right now. (laughs) Exactly. All right, let's um, leave it there for now. Uh, You know, sadly putting a bow on the uh, football season. But um, when we come back, we'll talk about Really getting into high gear for the stretch run of the NBA before we head into the All-Star break. So we'll talk about that when we come back right here on the Mighty Year 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mighty Year 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Uh, by the way, just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment, or want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, Grant, football is over. We are officially uh, done with the all, uh, sorry, done with the trade deadline. So we're coming out of the trade deadline. And um, here's the question that I have for you. Did you like the fact that the Lakers did not do anything before we touch on the Clippers, which have, clearly been the best team in Los Angeles because we just because we've been talking about it a lot it does seem this is the group this is the team that the Lakers are going with it did you like the decision to basically keep this team intact and 
you know, they did make it, they, they did make a move. They, they signed Spencer to Dinwiddie. But your thoughts on what the Lakers did? Yeah, I think it was the right decision to stand pat. Um, I just think that, you know, Arash, you and I have talked about it for a while now is that I don't think there was anybody that would really move the needle for them in terms of getting them over the hump or putting them up into the contender status. Um, there were talks about DeJounte Murray and those fell apart when D'Angelo Russell just happened to just get hot at the right time, right? He's yeah. been great for over the last month and a half, I'd have to say. Um, and he's put up numbers comparable to DeJounte Murray. So that kind of scared away the Lakers from making any trade involving him because he didn't really need to. Um, there are talks about Austin Reeves being included in deals and then he turned it up. I mean, he's been having a great stretch himself. Uh, Rui Hachimura is so crucial to this team. The Lakers have always had a team that I felt could be a contender. This is why I had them in my top three uh, before the season is just because I really believed in that roster. I thought they were one of the deepest rosters in the league. And unfortunately, we just haven't seen it fully yet. And then when we did, it just was discombobulated. We didn't have the right lineups. We didn't have the right players in. And now Jared Vanderbilt's out for a while. So we don't really get to see that either. Um I think the addition of Spencer Dinwiddie is a good one just because right now Max Christie's hurt. Um, Gabe Vincent has been hurt for the whole season pretty much. Yeah. Um, you needed a backup guard kind of to, to supplement the scoring on the bench unit. And they've been pretty good lately. I love the emergence of Jackson Hayes after the trade deadline. He's been really good for them. Um, I think that this team still deal if they've been playing great basketball. Um, there's no doubt about it. They've actually played the way I thought they should have. But here's the thing with the Lakers. <laughs> and Arash, you know this. We've said this plenty of times is that I've said this in the past. They've played great. And then the next game, they don't look that great. But right now, it just feels like I think that after that Celtics game, it just felt like they turned a corner. And I know they lost to the Nuggets. Um, and that was a close game. I got to give the Lakers credit. They played well in that game as well. But for them to stand pat at the deadline, keep that same mentality that they had without LeBron and AD with LeBron and AD, they destroyed the Pelicans. Um, they've been playing really good basketball, even without those two guys. And I think that some, sometimes you need to have a game without your stars to kind of find yourself, right? They kind yeah. of found a, an integrity and an identity and a fire in that game. And ever since then, Arash, I've seen nothing but good things. And D'Angelo Russell, everyone said, oh, well, now that the all-star, the, the trade deadline is over, he's going to revert back to what he was in the Denver series. Uh-uh. He put up some great numbers against the Pelicans. I think that this team is poised to move up in the standings. I'm not going to say that they're going to be a top five seed in the West by the time everything's said and done, but I do expect them to go on a little bit of a mini run here. They have the Pistons tonight. Um, and then, they, you know, they go on a stretch where you can say that they may, you know, have three or five wins, maybe four and one in their next five. So for the Lakers, I love the fact that they kept everyone. Um, obviously everyone seems like they love each other. The chemistry is good and adding Spencer Dinwiddie who can, you know, he can be a really good player off the bench for you. We saw it in the Mavericks series in 2022 when they played the Warriors and when they went to the Western Conference finals, how crucial Spencer Dinwiddie was to that team. I'm not going to say he's going to put up numbers comparable to that, but just having another guard that can score, um, that can give you a little bit of length is, is a plus. So I like that signing for the Lakers. Let's talk about the uh, best team in Los Angeles, Grant, the uh, Clippers. Again, last night was a test. I mean, I, I, I don't want to put too much on uh, one game, but they did, did go up against the team that is the number one seed uh, in the West, in Minnesota. The Clippers had a chance to, really kind of solidify themselves as perhaps being 
the one seed. Um, it was not a close game. Your thoughts on what happened last night? Uh, yeah, it was just a disaster. Um, there's no other way around it. Um, the, the Timberwolves are one of these teams in Arash. I believe we've talked about this is that when the Clippers run into teams with size, a la the Pelicans, a la the Lakers, a la the Timberwolves, they have a lot of problems, which is why I kind of clamored for the Clippers to do something at the deadline to kind of shore up that power forward spot or get a little bit of size. They didn't need to, but it would have been nice to maybe get a Daniel Gafford who is excelling on the Mavericks right now, and they basically gave up nothing to get him. Um and for the Clippers, I mean, from the get-go, it just did not look well. They did not mesh on offense. They looked a little bit lazy. Um, Paul George shot 5 of 16. Uh, James Harden shot 5 of 13. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, I know he had 18 points, but he was 8 of 17. And they had to pull him halfway through the fourth quarter because the Timberwolves in the second half just annihilated the Clippers. They put up 40 in the third quarter. Um and look, a lot of people are talking right now, Arash, that, you know, are the Timberwolves legit or should people take them serious? I'm here to tell you right now that people should take them serious because they have an excellent defense, top five in the league. And when their offense is clicking, much like it was last night against the Clippers, they are very dangerous. And yeah. if you put them up against a team that may not have the size, maybe against a team like the Thunder, uh, maybe a team like the Mavericks. I know they just acquired some size, but if you put them up in a playoff series against one of those two teams, I think the Wolves can hold their own. And for a team that hasn't gotten to the Western Conference Finals in 19 years, um, I, I'm sure that they're itching to do so. The, the Timberwolves, but for the Clippers, I just think they need the break. I mean, everyone looks really slow-footed. Um, they look lethargic, and I know it was after Super Bowl Sunday, but it seemed like it didn't stop the Timberwolves. They were energetic. Anthony Edwards was hitting step-back uh, bank three-pointers. He was dancing all over the court. Um Honestly, sometimes these losses, Arash, are very good for a team. It kind of humbles them. It says, hey, I know we've been winning a lot, but there are teams that are out to headhunt for you. So um, I think that the Clippers will be fine. They play the Warriors tomorrow, so uh, that's going to be another good game. I expect them to come out with a lot more energy, uh, especially after getting, you know, actually, actually they, they lost by, what, 20 points? So um <laughs> I, I expect them to bounce back, but uh, you know you're going to have some of these games, especially near the All Star break, where it's just like, okay, can we finally get there? Can we get there? Can we get some rest? Because right now, that's what it looks like. They came off the Grammy trip, and they just did, have not looked the same. They look great in the in the road trip, but ever since they came home, it looks like they just want to get to the All Star break and get some rest. You uh, basically touched on this, but I mean. I- did it? Did did last night's result and the lopsidedness of it and the fact that it took place in Los Angeles? I mean, did that change your perception again? You said it could be a good thing again. You said you, you were not surprised in terms of uh, the way that they performed against teams with size. That being said, I mean, um, uh, you know, when 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 you're now kind of trying to size up the rest of the conference going into the postseason, you want to clearly have confidence going up against these teams with size. Uh, did last night change your view on this team and how far they could potentially go? Um, a, a little bit in the fact that it is concerning whenever you lose to a team twice that you're probably getting off. They're now 0-2 against the Timberwolves this season, and in both losses it just looked like the same thing. I know they didn't lose by as much as 20 in the last game in Minnesota, but uh, when you lose to teams that you're probably going to see in the playoffs, it's never a good thing. And, and for a team like the Timberwolves that – you know, they've remained healthy enough throughout the whole year to where you can finally say, like, maybe this is what it's going to look like. 
not really good for the Clippers, and especially on your home floor, Rosh. We've talked about how the Clippers have been great at home. Uh, the, this wasn't in Minnesota. This was at yeah. Crypto.com Arena, and, and they just did not have any energy in the second half, and that may be due to the, the tired legs. I'm not sure, but you can't have these types of performances when you're trying to climb up in the West. Um, and look, they just lost to the Pelicans. They got blown out by the Pelicans, too, in a, in a game where – Obviously, the Pelicans have a lot of size. I told you that too. And they're going to, they're going to play the Lakers here soon. They're going to, these are games where you have to kind of see matchups. It, the Clippers threw three centers out there. They threw Daniel Tice, Mason Plumley, and then they also use Russell Westbrook as a center and Avita Zubats and nothing worked. So they kind of threw the kitchen sink at the Timberwolves. And you, you know, usually you have something where you say, okay, well, maybe we can use this down the road. There was nothing. They stymied yeah. them from from every point of view. So it is concerning, yes. But for the Clippers, my thing has been this the whole time, is that if they're healthy in the playoffs, that's just what I want to see. And that's what I think makes them dangerous. So, yeah, th- of course, this is concerning. But uh, you know, when you get to the playoffs, if the Clippers are healthy, I think they can compete with anybody. So uh, you, know, you, you can't really get jockeying with seeding and all that stuff. Yes, it's a loss and it's pretty crucial because they could have got the one seed. But on the other hand, if the Clippers are healthy and the Wolves are healthy, I'd still probably lean a little bit more towards the Clippers because they have four guys that have been in the playoffs many times. So, uh, I, I'd probably still give them the edge right now, but man, it's, it's, it's tough to lose to the Pelicans and the Timberwolves back to back like that. Um, switching gears to the Eastern Conference and again, um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on Doc, just because you know your your time kind of you know following what he did with the Clippers again. Thankfully, uh, they have won two games in a row. I mean, they were going through a stretch there where they had lost um, five of uh, six games there, but um, you know, uh, two games in a row. I mean, your thoughts on what what Doc could potentially do with this team? I mean, the the, the weird thing here for me is. When Doc Rivers came to the Clippers, it was the fact that he was coming off the glow of winning a championship with the Celtics. He had won a title with them. Uh, coming to a Clippers who had not won a title. Uh, I think he's enough uh, removed from that amazing run that they had in 2008. And now he's joining a team that just won a championship in 2021. Um, I'm still trying to figure out what Doc Rivers brings to the table here. But your thoughts on Doc um, and what he's done so far with the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, I think we're just going to have to hold judgment until the playoffs because, you know, I mean, we've seen his teams do great in the regular season. I mean, the Sixers were always an excellent regular season team. And uh, I know it's been off to a rocky start for the, with the Bucks, but, you know, as of late, they've been pretty, you know, actually decent. When they got Patrick Beverly at the trade deadline, that was kind of an underrated move, in my opinion. I can't believe that the Sixers just gave the Bucks Patrick Beverly. I mean, he's a guy, I know he's not anything special, but he's a guy that can get into you defensively. What did the Bucks need? They needed a guy that can get into you defensively. They needed another guy to disrupt on the defensive end, and they got it in Patrick Beverly. Um, I think he can make a big difference. And, you know, there's a lot of these little difference makers that you see getting bought out and at the trade deadline that kind of fly under the radar. I think that Patrick Beverly one's a, a big one for them because they needed kind of an identity, a toughness. They didn't really have that. And you saw it last night against the Nuggets. I mean, they played the Denver Nuggets and they actually whooped them. They beat them by 17 points. So, um, you know, obviously Giannis is going to get his. Damian Lillard's going to get his. That was never the issue. Um, I don't know. I still don't understand why they, you know, got Doc Rivers. I think there are a lot of different options out there they could have went to. Um, but for him and the Bucks, look, if, 
you can play defense. I'm going to let the t- the offense with Giannis and Dame carry them. I think the main issue with them is defense. And you got a guy in Patrick Beverly, like I said, that can disrupt, that can cause some chaos. They needed a guy like that. Um, and they actually helped the Clippers out by being <laughs> So Doc Rivers is doing the Clippers another solid. But, um, yeah, I think we're just going to have to hold judgment until the playoffs because, obviously, the Bucks are a top three team in the East, especially with how the Sixers are playing right now without Joel Embiid. So, um, yeah, the window is open. But, I mean, I'm just going to have to hold judgment until I see Doc Rivers get past yeah. the second round, which is kind of his kryptonite. I mean, the thing is, like, we kind of know how this story is going to play out. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, we'll we'll see. We will have enough time to do a touch on this as we get into the All-Star Weekend, and we'll be out there doing the show there on uh, Thursday and Friday. But wanted to get your thoughts on, uh, I do like it going back to East versus West. No no knock on LeBron and Giannis, and they would have once again been the top two vote-getters. But I do like that it's East and West. Um, I don't know, the whole drafting was kind of interesting. So now on the West... We got, uh, you know, we got two Lakers, two, two Clippers. We got LeBron James and Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. Um, are you looking forward to the game and your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I just hope that the players put forth the effort that we did not see last year. I think, you know, coming out of the game last year, a lot of the talk was, man, what has happened to the All-Star game? It seemed like mm-hmm. guys didn't care. They were lollygagging. There's turnovers and guys just chucking up threes. I hope that returning to the West versus East kind of gives them a little bit more juice. Um, look, I'm, I'm not going to doubt Adam Silver either because he's made a few changes here and there to kind of supplement the NBA, right? The in-season tournament was a success. Returning to the West versus East, it seems to have people a little bit more interested. Um, I hope that it, it, it is a, a pretty good show because, look, the talent is as high as it's ever been in the, in the NBA, in my opinion. I think you could have... You could even expand the NBA All-Star rosters and still have a really good team. I mean, DeMontis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox weren't even on the team. And, you know, they're the five seed in the West right now. And they're putting up great numbers. So it just tells you how much talent is on both of these teams. Um Look, it just, it's kind of a nostalgic thing. I, I remember watching the All-Star games when I was younger and it was always East versus West and I was playing on NBA Live and, you know, you always had the East versus West. So it's really cool to see it return. Obviously the, the, you know, the teams with Giannis and, and LeBron and whoever the captains were, that was pretty cool and it was a cool concept, but it wore off pretty quickly because guys yeah. just were not interested. So, um, yeah, I'm actually, I'm always excited for the All-Star game, regardless of the, the narrative around it, just because I love seeing the best players on the best stage. So, um, I, I'm actually more concerned about the, the dunk contest because. Well- that needs a little bit of revamp. I, I know you'll get into that. No, but I, I that was really the next point that, that I wanted to make. And so I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll just say the uh, the players who are competing in it. Mac McClellan, this is sort of like the, I don't know if you, know if you want to call it a controversy, but you know, but Mac, it'd be great if Mac McClung could stick on a team and we yeah. wouldn't have like a G-leaguer. Uh, again, I like Mac. I, I thought he was fantastic when he was on the South Bay Lakers. I, I thought he would find a spot as the 12th man on the Lakers. Has not happened, but anyways, he's sort of like people have said like he's revitalized the dunk contest, and I'm like, if if, if that's what had, has happened, I, I I don't know what to say. But anyway, so Mac McClung is back, uh, and he'll be going up against uh, Jalen Brown, uh, Jacob Toppin, and again, local product Jaime Hawkins Jr. from UCLA, uh, unfortunately passed on by the Lakers, and he's now with the Heat. Um, your thoughts on uh, that? Quartets going for the slam dunk championship. 
I'm not really thrilled with it. Um, obviously, I love Mac McClung, and I think he deserves a roster spot on any team because I think that, you know, I've been saying this since he was a rookie in the league, that he has the talent to sustain a roster spot. I don't get that. And he's electric in the dunk yeah. contest. We know that. He won it last year. Um, everyone else, eh, not really thrilled. I, I'm, I'm just... Arash, you remember this when there was stars competing in the dunk yeah. contest, and LeBron was like, "I'm going to compete," and there was this hype around it. I just, I wish that would return, you know. And I don't, I don't really understand why. Maybe it's the incentive of the players. Maybe they don't want to get hurt. But just imagine if you had Zion in there and John Moran. I know he's hurt right now, but you had these high flyers, Malik Monk in the dunk contest. These guys that. You know, they're well-known names around the league. I, I just, I, I feel like that would be such an awesome event, and I can kind of understand why they don't do it. But right now, it seems like the three-point contest is something that a lot of people are looking forward to. I mean, you're going to have Curry against Sabrina. Uh, you're going to have some of the best shooters in the league. Now that the league has evolved into being a three-point, I guess, shootout every night, this looks like probably the more exciting skills challenge of the weekend and it's kind of crazy that it's altered to that because dunk everyone loves dunks but now it seems like everyone wants to tune into the three-point contest and it just kind of shows you what Steph Curry did to the league how he changed it because before Steph Curry came into the league it was like oh, okay we're gonna have the three-point contest yada yada now let's get to the nitty-gritty which is a dunk contest it's actually flipped for me yes. at least I mean the excitement for me is now directed towards the three-point contest where Norm Powell I believe was a snub by the way yeah well no but I mean so let's just get into that real real quick before we close out today uh, in the three-point contest, we'll have Malik Beasley, former Laker, Jalen Brunson, yep. Tyrese Halliburton, Damian Lillard, Lori Markin, and Donovan Mitchell, Carl Anthony Towns. How crazy is that? Trey Young. But really quick before we go to break, uh, I think the the event that I think everyone's looking forward to just because of obviously the star power, but head-to-head and the significance, Steph Curry versus Sabrina Ionescu. Uh, your thoughts on that? And really, listen, if Sabrina wins, what that could mean. Oh, I am so excited for this. And I'm so glad they implemented this because I love crossovers. I love mashups. This is going to be awesome. And the fact that Sabrina is going to step back to the NBA three-point line. Look, yeah. her range is unlimited, so I'm really not even surprised by that. Um, I really think she can put up a fight against Steph Curry. I know Steph Curry's the greatest shooter that the sport has seen, but... Man, Sabrina can shoot the lights out. I wish we had Caitlin Clark in here, too. Just all three levels, college, yeah. NBA, WNBA. I think that would be really cool. But, yeah, I'm very excited for that contest um, just because it's something different. I love that they're just trying different things with that. So, um, yeah, I'm very excited for that three-point contest. Unfortunately, not with the dunk contest. Though. I know. Yeah, I mean, and to your point, I think forever people were so excited about the dunk contest. And, again, uh, way before your time, but I do remember. I mean, Dominique Wilkins and Michael yeah. Jordan. I mean, you're talking about two of the best players in the league at that time going head to head. That's what made it big. And I think so now, yes, it's not as flashy or gimmicky, but the three point contest when you have the best players in the world, you know, and a player could go on a hospital. And I was in Vegas when Sabrina hit something crazy, like how many, uh, you know, three pointers she hit. Then people start talking like, oh, like what if she went up against Steph? So, it, it'll be fun, and uh, and I totally agree with you. I'm more looking forward to that than the slam dunk contest. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again to, tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. West side, West side.
This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.